Hello and welcome to the Law Black's one-to-one podcast. My name's Chris Allen and I'm the managing partner of Black Solicitors. I've worked in West Yorkshire for over 25 years and during that time I've met some interesting people, both in the business world and the sport world. Over the next few weeks I'm catching up with some more of those people to share with you some of their opinions, advice and stories. I hope you find the interviews interesting, engaging and even educational. As ever, I always like to tip the hat at this point to Pete Bott and his band Deuce and Charger for allowing us to use their music on our podcast. And I also want to just tip the hat today, especially to Tris Dixon, who's been an inspiration to me in terms of doing podcasts. And I hope he'll listen to this one because he is uh, renowned for doing uh, Boxing Life Stories podcast series. If you do nothing else today, uh, go and have a listen to some of Tris's uh, podcasts because they're absolutely terrific. My guest today is an up-and-coming professional boxer from Leeds, and I'm delighted that he's here today, as I've been trying to pin him down (laughs) for some time to record this podcast. Kez Ashvak turned professional in July 2017 and has won all eight of his professional fights to date. His most recent victory earned him the vacant WBA Continental Super Bantamweight title with a victory over Joe Hamm, and out of the corner of my eye, I'm looking at the very belt that he's brought into the office (laughs) to show us. This professional career follows a very successful amateur career, during which Kez represented England at the Commonwealth Games in 2014, where he was a finalist, at the European Games in Baku in 2015, and perhaps even more fantastic, represented Great Britain at the Rio Olympics in 2016. Kez and I met through a mutual friend and local boxer, Adil Anwar, and I'm looking forward to asking Kez about both his amateur career and his plans for taking the professional world by storm. So, Kez, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you for coming. Boxing, some people think it's a sport on the on the wane. Some people think it's definitely on the rise. I see a lot going on in Leeds in terms of boxing. Just tell me about your background and how did you get into boxing? My cousin got me into boxing. He used to box before me. He was very good friends with Adel at the time, actually, as well. I think they started together uh, a long time ago. Um, and it was actually my cousin's old man, my uncle, right. who said to me one day, because he noticed that um, I enjoyed talking about boxing. When, when my cousin came back from the fights, I enjoyed hearing about it. I enjoyed looking at the trophies and stuff like that. He said to me, I must, I must have only been about six or seven years old, he said to me, do you want to start boxing? I was like, yeah, I've got nothing else to do. Why not? It was nothing. It was like a passing comment at the time um, he goes okay when you turn the right age I'll take you I think it was a week after my my 8th birthday um, when he goes come on in get your gear we're going to the gym and I, 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 I was shocked I, I forgot all about it um, and yeah, he took me to the gym um, and I loved it from there I, I, at first it was more just the atmosphere being with the lads having a good laugh and training at the same time and keeping fit and like pushing each other and pushing each other's limits but yeah, um, once I started going, I loved it, and I was one of them people. That after that, was always the first in the gym and the last one to leave. And, and my experience of a boxing gym is is a modest experience. But what I enjoyed about it was it was a great hard workout. It isn't all about leaping in the ring and fighting people, is it? There's lots of lots of just cardio, lots of fitness, lots of activity, hitting the bags, definitely you know, shadow boxing, etc. For me personally, it was, it was, it was, that's all it was at first, um, for, for at least a year. And I remember when my, when my coach for the first time said to me, oh, do you want to start sparring? I laughed, I thought he was kidding. I thought I don't want to get punched in the face. But then once again, 
I thought, you know what, I think bravado got the better of me. <laughs> I thought, you know what, I may as well do it if, if everyone else is doing it. Um, we got in and straight away from the, from, from the first session, my coach said to me, um, you've got something there, let's, you know, let's work on it and let's start moving forward. Yeah, the coach didn't say that to me. Uh, <laughs> and that was the end of my boxing career. Um, you're a handsome lad, you don't look like you get hit very often. Uh, have you? Is that an in- intentional tactic of yours, a strategy? It's... Yeah, definitely. They say, obviously... First of all, the game is to be hit and not and sorry to to yeah, hit and not, not be hit. Sorry, yeah. um, and that's always what I've gone by. And you got to think of the longevity in the in the career as well. And you got to think about the years down the line when you know you you want to make sure you have the opportunity to play with your grandchildren when you have mm. grandchildren as, as as you get older. And I've always kept that in mind, and that's always the, the sort of style I've had. Um, less least punishment as possible. With, I guess, in inflict as much as possible. <laughs> yeah. And so, amateur career is it? How often are you boxing competitively when you? So yeah, I mean, I appreciate not at the age of eight and nine, but when you were thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, how often were you actually in competitive bouts? So with me, my first fight um, at the time that the uh, rules were, I can't fight until I was eleven. I think they changed it to ten now. I think, but uh, my first fight was at eleven. As soon as I turned eleven, I think there'll be a couple, couple of weeks after. Um, and over the years, because I I started boxing for England, I think when I was about thirteen, that was my first fight for England in the schoolboy Europeans, I think it was. Um, and then over the years, built a reputation, boxed for England every single year. And I got on GB when I was about seventeen, I think I was. Um, yeah, seventeen. Kept started boxing GB then, and I had a great amount of fights. I had I think over two hundred fights in amateur. And that's quite, especially in England, that's quite rare, rare to hear. And when people watch the professional world, and we'll come on to your professional career, you hear people, oh, he's lost a fight and that's it. But in the amateurs, I take it that a defeat isn't the end of the world? Amateurs are totally different. Yeah. Like I told you I, I, I had 200 fights there. In my first three fights, I only won one. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, you, you see it all there. And that was something, a big learning curve for me, it was. Um, and that's what, the way you got to look at it in the amateurs, because... It's not exactly practice because when you get to a higher level, you obviously you want to win. Yeah. So the amateur, even, it's even more the, about learning your yeah, game, is it? Really? It's more about learning. But even, even the pro game, even if you do lose a fight, you've seen people many a time come back and still win world titles and come on. Sure. It's, all, it's all about how you learn and how, how you adjust after, after a loss. This podcast is, needless to say, sponsored by Black Solicitors. Blax is a law firm based in Leeds, and we provide a range of commercial, property and private client services to clients throughout the United Kingdom. Obviously, I'd love you to enjoy this podcast and then use our services on any legal issues you have going forward. If you visit lawblacks.com, you'll see the kind words that existing clients have had to say about the services we provide. Now, back to the podcast. And it sounds like, you know, to be picked for England and, and GB, etc. I mean, that sounds amazing. How did how did you keep your feet on the ground at that point? <laughs> you know what's funny? I, I always I always say this. It took me, I think, two or three national titles um, after winning two or three national titles that I actually thought, you know what, I'm quite good at this. Mm. Which is weird because you know I've, I was the best in England for, th- for two three years. But the first time I won it, I thought. Maybe I fluked that. Won it again, I thought, mm, I must just be getting better. And the third time I thought, you know what, I've, I've got something here. I've, I've got to start taking it more seriously. And I'm, I was only about 15, 16 years old at the time. But um, 
but yeah, it kind of just, just just went on from there, and uh, I was always, I've, I'd, as you you know you know yourself, and I've known you for a long time now. I've always been the type of guy to stay to stay keep my feet on the ground. Mm. Um, I've had the right people around me to keep my feet on the ground, I guess as well. Like, I guess I've just, just been brought up well in yeah. in a way where I always know that success can be taken from me when, when, whenever um, whenever um, yeah. and it comes to you it comes to you at the same, at, at the same speed and, especially and, have, and have there been times when you've been tempted to go, I say go off the rails I don't mean in a, in a crazy way but I was listening to Gavin Reese, uh, his podcast with Tris Dixon the other day and, and, and Gavin clearly did very well as a professional had a great career but you can hear in his voice that he wishes perhaps he hadn't mucked about as much when he was younger. Perhaps he'd taken things a bit more seriously, and that he'd, you know, he'd been tempted by going out for a few drinks or more than a few drinks over the time. How how have you how have you, how have you dealt with those temptations? See, in terms of the drinking side of stuff, I've never drunk anyway through my religion. Yeah. Um, but you know, as, as as you were saying there about people, especially teenagers who go off the rails. Um, the amount of people that I've seen over the years that I've watched boxing and I thought, you know what, talent-wise, you're better than me. Mm. But that's what messes them up. They, they get to a certain age, maybe 18, 19, they start seeing more women, mm. going out more, mm. clubbing, and they go more more towards that life. Because it is... It, Where it, they might be a big fish in a small pond. Exactly, it's an easier life in a, yeah. in, a, in a way, I guess. Um, yeah. and, and boxing's hard work, like you say. But um, but yeah, there's been so many times where I've seen that happen, and it's sad, and it's sad really, because there's been so many people like I, I could probably see and say that they probably could have been better than me, but yeah. they've, they've not got nowhere because they've uh, strayed. Yeah, yeah, it might be like like that in the legal world, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, okay, so you've been disciplined then. It sounds like it. Join that, and and you you were I think I'm right in saying you were a bantamweight for a lot of your amateur career but now you're a super bantamweight is that right? Yeah so actually the, the weights are very slightly different and super bantamweight sounds higher Yeah, but it's actually a little bit lighter oh. it's because the weights in the amateurs are different to the, to the pros you see the right. way the weights set up because you have, I think you've, you've got 12 weights in the amateurs but you've got a lot more in the, in the pro game um, but yeah so in, in terms of kilograms um, bantamweight was 56 kilograms in the amateurs yeah. uh, and super bantam um, in the pros is 55.3 so 7 kilograms mm-hmm. less but if you do it as in the amateurs, super bantams would, would be more. Yeah. But it's just just the way it's, it's set out. In all the time I've known you, you've always been the, the from my perspective the build you are now, slim but clearly you know muscles. It, has weight been an issue for you over the years? Weight hasn't been an issue, um, <clears throat> but since I've turned pro, I've I have um, noticed I'm a bit more rounded in terms of muscle and that now um, because you sat training for the 12 rounds um, yeah. and it's not a three-round sprint no more. No. Um, but obviously through, through that adjustment, through getting used to the pro game, planting your feet, look, look for a bit more power at times, um, my body's adjusted a little bit. And looking ahead into your career, do you think, because what's next up from super bantamweight? Feather. That's featherweight. <coughs> and do, you, do you sort of, are you looking sort of six, eight years down the line thinking I'll probably end up a featherweight? Definitely, without yeah. doubt. Probably even even less time than that um, because I'm a big super bantamweight. Um, as I, I mentioned, what, what what the exact weight was there, mm. you, you looked straight away and noticed how light it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a big I'm a big super featherweight. I, I walk around a lot heavier. I'm like right now, I'm nowhere near super bantamweight. But um, yeah, eventually feather super feather, and, and I'll keep keep going up as long as I feel comfortable. Yeah, good. Uh, I remember watching you on the television at the Commonwealth Games. Yeah. And thinking, whoa, there's Kez. Yeah. Fantastic. 
Tell me about that experience. Uh, not so much the fight, but just the whole thing of going to the Commonwealth Games. What sort of that, that must have been a brand new experience. That was me. unbelievable because that was as a senior. Uh, it was the first opportunity I got from GB to go in, like, in a major tournament. And so I was really, uh, when I got there, I don't think no one even expected me to medal. No. Because, like I said, it was my first senior tournament. But not my first senior tournament, but first senior elite tournament. Um, and I did I did really well in it. Yeah. I, I, the kid that, that I lost to in the final was the world European Commonwealth gold medalist um, and, the Euro- and, and Olympic bronze medalist. Yeah. And that kid, it was a decent fight. I thought he, he, he beat me uh, fair and square on that night, to be honest. But I boxed him again in the European final. And even though I didn't get the decision, every single person in the arena thought I won. Yeah. So that, that shows levels at, at the same time. And uh, hopefully we'll get him back. In, in, he's a featherweight now, but hopefully we'll get him back yeah. in the pro game because he's, he's doing well as well. Um, and what's it like going to a big tournament like that? I mean, obviously we just see the snippets on television of you getting in the ring and fighting. Yeah. What's, I mean, are you looked after? Is there a camp where you go to? What, is the setup impressive? In terms of competitions like that, the multi-sport competitions, you're looked after unbelievably because obviously that was part of Team England with, with um, uh, the Commonwealth yeah. Games. Obviously with, the, with, with um, the Olympics, it's, yeah. it's Team GB. But um, yeah, they look after you very well. Um, it's a lovely environment, like a big, big family environment. You get to know all the other athletes from different sports um, and, and they're the best ones in multi-sports games because... You go. You've got, you've got. You've got like a village, like a Commonwealth village. We went to. Um, so all the athletes are all in one place. Um, you got the accreditation, so it makes, makes you feel a bit more important yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, it's an amazing experience. Um, and and before that, obviously, it was the same old Team GB training in Sheffield at the Institute of Sport. And we trained very hard for that. And I think we went out to Glasgow. I think two or three weeks before the competition started, right. just to get used to the environment, so you start to feel more comfortable. Know where, where to go for food for wherever you need to go because there's a food hall, food hall, and all that sort of stuff as well. But yeah, in terms of the multi-sport games, they were unbelievable, especially when, as, as you can imagine, when it come, came to the Olympics in Brazil yeah. and all that as well. Yeah. And even the so Euro- that was a European so that games. was a massively positive experience. The Commonwealth Huge, Games yeah, for yeah. you, because like I said, because it was my first elite senior tournament, it gave me that confidence. Once yeah. I, when I actually medaled against one of the best kids in the world, um, that you know what. I'm 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 learning. I'm getting better. I'm not just that, that young youth no more who's winning no. the titles. The youth. I'm, I'm I'm winning medals as a senior now as well. So it showed my uh, accomplishments. And when and when it's finished, when the when the tournament's over, do you sit down with the coaches of of England at the Commonwealth and look at the videos and dissect how the fight went, or do you all just pack up and go home and see you at the next training? Before or after, crime crimes off in the wheel. Right, <laughs> yeah. Right? So, uh, obviously, I was I was disappointed on, on, in the final because I won that gold medal. No matter who I was against, mm. the reputation didn't really bother me, and I think that's one of my strong points. Um, but yeah, what we normally do after the tournament, we go straight home, and then we come back to the the GB squad. I think a week or two after, um, if you want to go medal, you get a full week off, a full week, full two weeks off. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we come back and we'd have a debrief because um, we got a lovely setup in. Uh, we, we had a, we have a lovely setup in there, Sheffield, the GB squad where we have video analysis people as well. Right. So we get back. First things first, you got to see what you did right, what you did wrong, and what we need to work on. Yeah, yeah. And that's obviously a, a huge part of boxing. And so the amateur career is progressing. You go to the European Games uh, in 2015. I think I'm right in saying, do well in that. I mean, is that, was that is that a bigger tournament or is that a small tournament than the Commonwealth Games? Competition-wise, bigger. Yeah. Um, but 
grand scale of things in terms of media. The Commonwealth Games obviously sure. a lot bigger, but that was another multi-sport games as well um, in lovely Azerbaijan. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, it was a, another great experience, but I, that was that, that was a, a different sort of experience for me because I was boxing amazingly all the way throughout the tournament. Boxed a German in the quarters for a medal. Got a headbutt in the second round. And a lot of people don't know this. Um, I got a headbutt in the second round. I actually got put down by the headbutt, but obviously the, the refs are clear it was a headbutt, so they didn't score, score the, the knockdown. An intentional headbutt? Probably not. Probably not. Um, yeah. But um, headbutt, nevertheless. Yep. Um, and that's one of the hardest parts of your body, as, as you can imagine. Um, won the fight. Third round, box well. Won the third round as well. Come back. Um, it must have been about half an hour later. I was warming down. Cause obviously you got to make, make weight every single day. Mm. Having a little skip off, warming down. I start feeling a bit, um, not so much drowsy, a bit heavy. But mm. Head's feeling a bit heavy. Next thing you know, I, I told the, the physios and the doctors, um, and they were like, okay, just, just take it easy. Just get changed. I was like, all right, no worries. Put my, put my stuff down, getting changed. Start putting my T-shirt on, and my head couldn't compute what hole to put my arms in. It turns out I had concussion yeah, from sure. the head butt. Sounds like it, of course. Exactly. From, I had, had concussion from the head butt. And uh, it was worse than I thought. That night, I was puking up all night. Um, but me being me, not wanting to pull out, boxing again the next day. <laughs> and another, I had a very close fight against the, the Belarusian. Um, in the semi-final, this in was. In the semi-final, yeah. yeah. Which any other day, I'd have beat him. Beaten him. Easily. Um, and he 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 picked me on that because of the way I was because I I was mentally and physically because of the way I've been that I wasn't there. And with hindsight now, do you think you shouldn't have really boxed? No, definitely shouldn't have boxed. Um, but that's like I say, it's a bit a bit. Right, as, as a fighter, you never want to you never want to pull out, especially so, when you're in that sort of stage. So you come back from that tournament, you've won a few rounds, but you've lost in the semis. You've you've picked up a medal for that though, have you? Yeah, bronze medal. Yeah, well done. If I'd have seen you a week after that experience, would you have been? Philosophical, or were you down in the dumps? Um, a bit of both, um, just because, like I say, that the circumstances. Because I knew in that semi-final, I wasn't myself. I wasn't hundred percent. I could feel it even in the change room at the time. Um, so yeah, it was more down the dumps because I didn't win a gold medal. Because I knew I was more than capable of, and it would have been amazing to, to call myself a European mm. champion. But at the same time, knowing that I wasn't hundred percent, I was. I wasn't. It wasn't. It didn't. It didn't hurt me as much as I thought for, for no. that reason. But you continued, obviously, with the amateurs. Yep. How are you? How are you surviving as an amateur? Do you get funding from the lottery funding, or how do you actually live day to day when you're a, a, a? I know you're not a professional, but you kind of are a professional amateur. Aren't yeah, you your class is as semi-professional, yeah. I guess, um, on the GB team. And as soon as you start. Well, get on the GB team, you start getting a monthly uh, pay through uh, lottery funding, yeah, right. and that's what what keeps us funding, keeps keeps all us, us boxers going. Because, yeah. like, like I say, when I when I trained with GB, I was in Sheffield Monday, Monday, Thursday, every single week. Mm. So, it was like a job, um, and obviously we had to survive. You have survive. to get yourself there. Yeah, get yourself yeah. there, get yourself back, um, and it's not just it's easy for me to get to Sheffield, but it's people coming from places like Glasgow and Wales and yeah, different yeah. areas, you know. But yeah, obviously they 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 funded that and that that got got us through and helped us keep uh, progressing. So tell me about Rio. Tell me about when you got picked for Rio. Did you did was it always on the card you were going to get picked? I had to go through a qualifying process. Right. Um, and I qualified in Turkey in the European qualifiers. Um, you know what? Funnily enough, this was another one 
towards the end of the career, in terms of injuries and stuff, it wasn't really, that, I didn't really have the best of luck. So, European Games, first fight, who was it against now? I think it was against the Romanian or something it was. Boxing, won easily, um, that went fine. Second fight, bear in mind, we, we fight like, in a, in a week, we'll fight five times. Mm. You've only got to weigh in the same every single morning. Um, next fight, against the Polish. Tough fight, kid was game, kept coming, never never stopped. Got a, got a cut on the, the side of my eye. Um, and the way they started dealing with that now, because obviously the head guard had come off at this point, um, that, that changed a few years before that. And they put something over my eye. So I boxed again the next day with a cut, because for these qualifiers, you had to minute to get to, 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 to qualify for the Olympics in these qualifiers, you had to get to the final. Right. In a European qualifier with all Russians, or all, all, all the top fighters in. Then I boxed. Moldova, I think it was, yeah, Moldova, and another, and the same again. This kid, it was a bit, a bit more raw. Came in with his head, got another cut on my nose. <laughs> so going in, going into the semi, uh, semi final against a kid who, it was one, one all. It was a kid from Ukraine, one all between us both. Um, I go in, cuts everywhere. Broke, I broke nose at that point off, off a headbutt again as well. Boxing. Um, Beat him, beat him very easily as well. But after that fight, I got another cut. <laughs> so at this point, I had three cuts. But luckily, I'd qualified by then. I, I got to final. But again, a bit of bravado. I wanted to fight again the next day. Yeah. I, I couldn't pull out. I was, it was a European final in, in my eyes, you know what I mean? Same, it, was, it was exactly the same as the European Games, but, but, but the round before. I was thinking, I, I could be European champion. Why am I going to pull out? I woke up the next morning, Robin Kraken's going, nah, you're not boxing, kids. What you, what you got out of bed for? You're not, you're not boxing. I was like, Rob, I'm boxing. I, I, it's a European final. I want to be like, European champion. But yeah, I didn't go the right way. <laughs> Again, um, I was bleeding all that night yeah. through my nose because that, that was broken. Um, I couldn't even breathe by the time I woke up. I was just excited to be in a European final and have the opportunity to, to box. Um, but yeah, I got in there, literally. That was another weird one because all the way through the day, I think because of the, the blood loss and all the injuries, I couldn't even eat all day. Right. So I ended up going into that European final with hardly any food, food in me. Um, obviously, the injuries had affected my performance in the final again. I lost to a world champion again. He was a world champion. Um, and another close fight, really. But, you, but you've um, qualified. But I'd qualified, so that's another thing. So when I, when I came home, it wasn't, oh, you got beat in the final, you could have been European no. champion. It was, I've qualified for the Olympics. And that, when that hit me, yeah. it took, took it all away. But as you were talking about Rio there, Rio was terrible for me. Well, hang on. Let me let me get you to Rio. So yeah. you're pre- you're preparing for Rio, as yeah. I'd imagine, pretty intensely. Did you go to the opening ceremony? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What was that? Ceremony. What was that like? Amazing. Yeah. You know, Rio was just another level to anything else I'd been to, mm. especially with the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow and the European Games. All these had opening ceremonies. I boxed as a youth in the Commonwealth Youth. So I won a gold medal there. They've all had opening ceremonies, but this was just another level. It's just it's something obviously like compared to England and the countries that we normally fight in. We don't really get a chance to go to places like Brazil because um, it's mm-hmm. round new over, over, over end of the world, um, and yeah, the culture, and that's what the, what they always try to portray the, the culture from 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 the country. And, and you all travel country. together, do you? You all meet and did the whole boxing team. The whole boxing travel team, yeah. together. Not not all live over over athletes, no. um, but the whole boxing team travel travel together, um, and because obviously in the Olympic Games it's over quite a long period of time. And the athletes come whenever they need to be there, pretty much, and however long it takes them to acclimatise. But yeah, all the boxers got there together. Um, was that 
great. I mean, did you feel, how were you at that point in time? If I'd have bumped into you as you're getting on the plane, were you feeling positive at that point? Yeah, I was because that's just the way I am. I, yeah. I, I've always been the type, no matter what's right or wrong with me, I've always been the type, I'm going to go somewhere, I'm going to win that gold medal. And that's just, I guess that's what's got me as far, as far as I am now, like that mindset. But um, but yeah, I was, I, was, I was buzzing. First of all, like you say, just to be in the Olympics. Yeah. Because so, you've heard of people over the years, like Frankie Gavin, he qualified for the Olympics. He was the amateur world champion, mm. but he didn't make the weight. So he can't qualify for the Olympic. Well, sorry, he, he, he can't call himself Olympian. Um, but yeah, it was it was amazing and going like you say to the Olympics with with the team um, in the new Olympic kit and all that, and then yeah. getting to the airport and everyone looking at you, and knowing that you're going to Olympics. It was unbelievable. Yeah, good fun. <laughs> yeah, great fun. Yeah. And when 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 did things start to not go to plan? To be honest, before in the qualifiers, see all these injuries I had. I had an injury on my hand. And that was the worst for me over there. And my nose, I told you, I broke in the qualifiers. Mm. That was bad because I couldn't even breathe out of one side properly. And I was waking up on the night because I couldn't breathe and stuff. Um, but even without, with all that, just the hype of the Olympics, I, I, at that time, at moment in time when I was going there, I'd forgotten all about it. Yeah. <laughs> Once I got there, I thought, wait a minute, I've got a bad hand. I can't <laughs> breathe. But even then, like I say, I didn't, I, I, I'm one of them people, I get it totally out, out of my mind. Um, but then it did affect my my performance because I remember in the changing room with with Paul the coach, I was hitting the pads and I said to him, "My hand's killing me. How how am I going to get through this fight?" Um, but even with saying that, I went in, gave it my all, and actually lost to a kid who I was I sparred a few months before before all these injuries, and I played with mm. a kid from Thailand, good kid, don't get me wrong, but I played with him. I got in there, I just didn't go to plan. Um, and did he just have a great day and you had a bad day? Yeah. And that's basically, kind of boxing? Basically, yeah. And then that's, that's kind of boxing, like you say. Um, and it was tough at the time because that was my dream. to. to so, so, and it's brutal, isn't it? Because if that was, if you were a hockey player, you might have played a group around Robin, you know, three or four matches yeah, yeah. and the winner goes through. And I yeah. appreciate at some point there's a knockout, isn't there? Uh-huh. But boxing, you have one fight. Yeah. If you win it, great. If you lose it, you're out. Yeah, it's the uh, elimination process, like you say. Um, and yeah, it was it was tough. I know you, we were going to get on to um, the highs and the lows, mm. um, but that was probably one of the, the lowest, just because it was a dream. Because you've arrived, you've trained, well, you've prepared, you've travelled, you've arrived, you've been to the opening ceremony, amazing. How long was it before? the? Were you fighting in the early days of the Olympic, or um, were you there for a bit before? I think I'd once we got there, it must have been at least a week after, maybe. Right, okay. No, so no, sorry, we, 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 we had a training camp before. We were in Brazil for a while, in a different area at first, right. for two weeks. And then we came, just so we got used to the weather and stuff, and yeah. acclimatised. And after opening ceremony, I think it was a week after, yeah, after ceremony. And what are the plans for coming home then? Because if you keep winning, you keep staying, don't you? Did you have to then stay to the end of the Olympics and fly home with the rest of the team? You don't have to, no. Or do um, they sort of say, you can go home if you want to? Yeah, they say you can go home if you want to, but we've always been taught um, as a boxing team to support your, 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 your fellow teammates, um, and that's exactly what I did. Um, even though seeing, you know, it wasn't so much seeing them succeed, it was seeing people succeed at my weight that I know I was better than. Yeah. And <laughs> um, that's what was, what was tough. But um, yeah, I stayed there. Um, supported the rest of the boys um, all the way to the, to the final 
Um, but yeah, it was, it, was, it was a very tough, it was probably the hardest time I've, I've had um, in terms of, like I say, I've waited all my life to get to the Olympics and something like injuries uh, and a bad day because of injuries to affect that just broke my heart. But I'm I'm a very religious person um, and I firmly believe whatever whatever happens, happens for a reason. And uh, I believe the man upstairs has, 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 a, has, a, has a better plan for me. So that's that itself, that one little thought there, it's what got me through it. And you've had an experience, Kez, that look, well, certainly Mark and I sat here, certainly haven't had, you know. Yeah, like, like bit, you see, so. I know in, in years to come, I'm sure you'll look back with more pride than even you do now, but yeah, like, like it's an incredible even, achievement. Definitely, yeah, without a doubt, because that's what people kept saying to me. They kept saying to me, listen, yeah, you were injured, blah, 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 but you're an Olympian. How many people in the world can say that? There's, yeah. there's not many. You, you, you're part of an elite an elite team. Um and yeah, that, that, that does help, but would, would, would that be more if I had a gold medal in the trophy case, wouldn't it? <laughs> heart of hearts, how far do you think you could have gone in, in that tournament? Having seen, the t- having seen the tournament out, you obviously watched the fights in your work going yeah. on. How far do you think you'd have got? So, minimum, I do believe I could have won a bronze medal. Right. Um, I, to be honest, I had one of the, the toughest categories as well. Um, I had... Conlon, Michael Conlon from, from Ireland, um, Shakur Stevenson from America, the Cuban Ramirez, who's two times Olympic gold medalist. Um, but I do believe that I could have at least won a bronze medal minimum, and and that's that's just just watching it from afar and yeah. and and being a bit uh, humble about it. But when I when I'm there, I want that gold medal, no, no matter what. And that's like, like I, said, I keep saying that's that's what's got me through and got me so far in my career, knowing that. On my day, I can be anyone, without a doubt. I just need to perform on the night. So we're uh, four years on this summer, aren't we, from the Olympics. Yeah. Where'd, when did you make the decision, um, or was the decision made for you, that I'm not going to stay as an amateur, I'm going to turn professional? What Talk me through that process. So that was always after this Olympics, whether I got there or whether I didn't. Um, because cause the age I was at, I knew it was now or never to turn pro as well. And obviously, another big dream is being a world champion. But I think that's why it hurt so much at the time when I didn't didn't perform and I didn't I didn't uh, medal because I knew I wasn't going to go to another one. I thought that was my that was my chance to mm. win an Olympic medal. But um, yeah, it was always my plan. Um, it was a very rare chance for me to get to the to London the, the London Olympics because I think I'd only be on GB. I think a year or something, two years. Yeah. Um, so it was always real. See how it goes at Rio. Um, if I get there, I get there. If I don't, I don't. No matter what, I'm, I'm turning over. So that was always my my thought process. Right, and and obviously some people might just finish their amateur career and call it a day with boxing. But you and, and were people around you saying, "Kez, you should turn professional," or is this just you thinking, "I'm going to turn professional"? Just me thinking I'm going to turn right. professional. That was always the plan. Um, like after that, that was the only thing for me to do really now because I, I was at a certain age. I wanted to be, a, a, I wanted to win a world title as a pro. I wanted to be at the top top of my game in the professional ranks as well. And like I said, I was at the right age, at the right time. Um, I turned over. To be honest, I, I had a year out after the Olympics. Yeah. Um, but again, that was to settle injuries. I had an operation on my on my septum. I had a deviated septum um, on my nose. An operation on my hand, as you can see the scar there. Mm. That was that injury that was that was killing me in in the Olympics. 
Um, I had I had them done. I think two, maybe three months after the Olympics. And how do you, and how do you get by when you're having a year out like that? I mean, because a, a Team GB still funding you at that point. So you... I, they Team GB funded me until April, right? The next year. Um, so I was still training with them, um, still doing rehab with them, um, and I think it was about April time where they sorted the operations out for me as well. So I had the operations, but then you got to realise the recovery time. Um, it took a while for me to be able to start punching and to breathe properly and spar properly again and then from then just being confident in throwing my hand properly so all that sort of, for, for, I was actually over a year I think it was a year and a half I, I had off um, so all that time accumulated then finally once I felt like my hand was was, was used like I can use it properly again and I can breathe properly it's time to turn over Right so let's talk about your first professional fight then so you've announced you, you, you've turned professional you do yeah. whatever procedures you need to do so what? How do you plan that out? Because of, you hear of, I don't know, Anthony Joshua. People say, oh well, yeah, you know, they they carefully put certain people in front of him in the early years, etc. Does that even go on in, uh, in sort of uh, your way when you, you're not a, as well known as he yeah. is, or do you just have to fight whoever you is put in front of you? Yeah, um, being an Olympian, um, obviously, I was fortunate to uh, sign up with Eddie and Amateur Promotions. There's actually a story behind that, to be fair. It was actually Anthony Joshua who gave me a call. Um, <laughs> through this time when I had that year and a half off, he goes, Kez, what are you doing? Like, why are you turning pro yet? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, you know what, mate? I'm, my hands and my injuries are nearly settled. I'm looking to turn pro soon, uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I said to him, could you get me on the phone or get me in touch with Eddie Ern? And obviously having a good relationship with with uh, AJ, we trained together for eight, for mm. eight years. We actually got on the GB team together. Yeah, me, me, and, me and yeah, I think uh, I've seen AJ pictures of you. Yeah, yeah, we got the team together. We trained together for Look years. Like twins, <laughs> <laughs> about ten foot taller than me yeah. though. But um, yeah, he's, he, 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 like like I say, I was shocked. He gave, he gave me a call himself. I spoke to him about it, and he goes, "Tell you what, I'm, I'm I'll speak to Rob McCracken, um, and they, uh, AJ and Rob." Um, I'd like to give a special shout out to because they uh, they are the ones that got me in touch with Eddie, mm-hmm. and and have got me on on with the uh, matchroom. Um, but yeah, like I say, went to a matchroom. Matchroom's obviously a huge company, mm-hmm. even bigger now. Um, but it was even it was a huge company back then as well. And they always have their own their, their plan. And as an Olympian, as you can you might you might see on my record, I've been pushed pretty fast. Mm-hmm. I've only had eight fights. I'm the WBA Continental Champion. And if you look at the, the fighters that are boxed, the records. It was my eighth fight, my last fight. My opponent was sixteen and one. Yeah. Fight before that, seven my seventh fight, my opponent was sixteen and three, I think it was. Um, yeah, so these aren't pushovers, are they? Yeah, exactly, because you've got that pedigree. Um, yeah. and obviously Eddie and the matchroom know that, so they know they don't need to build you up well, they build you up but they don't need to put you in with, with people that are there to be knocked over from fight one. And how much consultation is there? So if would Eddie sit down with you and say, look, there's three guys we can fight, there's this guy, this guy, this guy, or does he actually say to you, I recommend you fight this guy? bit of both. Um, it's through, obviously, my management team as well, um, and they'll pass over some names um, on the records and where they're from, blah, blah, blah. Um, and you, and the, it was actually the coach, the manager, and my decision, so we have a, a sit-down and decide which opponent we want to take, and it's just literally as simple as that. You, you pick an opponent... If he's available, they'll give you three, three to five opponents. Um, you pick an opponent. If he's available, it's, it's up to you. And, and every single fight, as you go on, you notice the bunch of opponents. They get better and better and better because matchroom. Like I say, for, for me especially, because I box the Olympics and, and I have that pedigree. 
the opponent's got better very fast, um, especially in terms of records. But like I said, I was I, I was ready for him because I, yeah. I had that pedigree. So tell me about the build-up to a professional fight compared to an amateur fight. So let's say you were fighting uh, tonight in uh, in a professional bout. You'll train. When do you sort of tone down the training? I mean, presumably you're not going hell for leather the day before a fight. Yeah. You're sort of you, you're keeping fit, but you're just sort of ticking over, are you? Sort of ready for the. Yeah. So see, I, if I had an eight-week camp, right. Um, it start off quite technical, and then it get into the business side where it's the hard work. Um, also, with the technical as well, because you love your your opponent by then, so you'd be working towards what sort of opponent it is. Watching, de- uh, you know, watching yeah, watching videos, tapes of, you yeah, know what they've yeah. been. So tapes, you know, the DVDs of what they've how basically, they fought. Yeah, yeah, basically, um, like this opponent I was meant to fight. Um, sort of my last opponent, for example, he was slightly tall, long arms, and busy, and wanted to come to fight. Um, so we make a game plan um, of how we're going to tackle that. That that's all the way through camp. We're working on that, and then obviously the graph side comes in, and we don't really taper off until the week before. Right. It's literally seven days before you start tapering off. Um, start the session get a bit shorter, a bit sharper, um, a lot more reaction stuff, and yeah, it kind of goes from there because that, that fight week is it helps in a way because. For example, the last fight in Manchester, that fight week, you're in Manchester anyway. You're, you're, you're over in the hotel, getting yeah. used to the environment, all that sort of stuff. And through that time, you don't really get a lot... You really get a lot of time to train, but you don't want to do too much because no. you're worried about How, how distracting are, are things like press conferences and interviews? I mean, one of the things is this, isn't it, Kez? If you keep going winning, you'll become a, more of a name. People want to look like me and you, yeah. spend more time with you, interviewing you, talking to you, getting your opinion on things. How how off-putting is that sort of stuff? You know, when you're sat at the press conference, presumably it's quite good fun because you're listening to the, the big heavyweights slagging each other off and trying <laughs> yeah. to have a fight. Um, but, but how distracting is that? Does it, does it, does it affect you? So whereas the press conferences, they don't bother me. They, 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 if anything, they give me something to do. Through that, like I said, through, through fight week, because we're tapering down, we're not, there's not really a lot, a lot to do because you're not really training much. You're just watching your diet and that sort of stuff, really. Um, so I enjoy them because they give me something to do on that day. Because on that day, I'll, I'll, probably, I'll probably sat sat down, relaxing, maybe go for a walk, just get my, get my body ready to uh, adjust and, and rest, ready for a fight. Um, but yeah, I, I always hear people say, oh, how do you, you know, with the press conference, did the body year, blah, blah, blah. And no, not really at all. If anything, like I said, they entertain me a little bit. But while I'm, while it's fight, while it's fight, we can have nothing to do. And on fight day, generally you're fighting in the evening, obviously. You know, what do you do during the day? How do you, do, when do you start revving yourself up for this? Do you intentionally think, right, I'm not going to really start focusing on this till seven o'clock, eight o'clock? Yeah, because it, during the day, it seems. That to me sounds like a really long day. What do you do? See, my, my kind of other than worry, as I would. <laughs> <laughs> this day, well, so, so for me, this isn't something that that I've been told to do to do or anything. But I, I kind of the, the night before, I watched uh, uh, the video of my opponent one more time, um, just to go over it. I'm, I'm on my own, not my coach, just on my own, and in the hotel room, I love a watch. Um, and the next day, I don't watch nothing. Yeah. Um, because I, so it's because it's fresh in my head from from the day before, but my general 
uh, schedule for for the day is get up night, get up early, um, have your first bit of food. Cause it's important to get the right amount of food at the right mm-hmm. amount of time. Um, have the first bit of food, um, go for a walk, and I go back to bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Literally, I got. I don't know if a lot of fighters do this, but I go straight back to bed, and then uh, I'll get up, have some more food, go for another walk, maybe just help it digest a little bit, and then just start relaxing. And but because I'm quite, I'm quite religious through all this time, I'm. I'm uh, I, I pray five times a day and stuff like yeah. that as well and that where some fighters might start getting agitated or um, get a bit worried and stuff mm. that calms me down and, right. uh, and it's brilliant it's, uh, I feel nice and calm I'm, by the time I get I get to the uh, changing room that's when the only time the nerves ever kick in for me yeah. and that's maybe a bit of that is because I'm religious and Helps me, helps keep me calm. But a lot of fighters, you hear about them being nervous days before the fight, mm. and blah, blah blah. And that's just burning up energy that you don't need to burn. But I've always been the type. I'm over the year, like I said, I, I tuned in amateur fights. I've, I've been used to learning how to control my emotions um, and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, the only time I actually get nervous is in the changing room. But for me personally, that's that's good because it keeps me sharp, keeps me keeps me alert, and I know that I'm ready to fight then. What about fighting in front of slightly larger crowds? Obviously, you, you, again, this will become more and more, I suspect. Do you even notice the crowd when you're in the ring? I, I suspect you don't when somebody trying to thump you. Yeah, not, not, not at all. Not, yeah. even, not even slightly. Like, Am I wasting my effort shouting, come on, Kez? You know, it's weird with me because I always hear certain, hear certain voices. I'll hear my coach. I'll hear my brother. Um, that's probably about it, to be honest. That's possibly all you need to hear, yeah, isn't exactly, it, really? Yeah, exactly, because I know, I know they know me from all, over the years and they've always been there at the fights and I think it's something that the voice, the voices I've got used to and the voices that my head thinks, I need to listen to these rather than the rest of them screaming, kill them as a flyer. You know what I mean? But yeah, it was, uh, that, they're the voices Run I was away. Yeah. yeah. But I, I have boxing a huge crowd, like I like seeing the Olympics and the Commonwealth Games, especially in, in the Hydro, the uh, arena, that was... Uh, an, a mad experience because because the way that that's built, it's like you're walking in and it's everyone's just just in in the uh, tears. Yeah, it's like they're looking over you, and yeah. that was that, that was amazing. But like I say, even when I got in the ring when the bell went, I couldn't hear anything. No. And what about the uh, the the bit that I always think to myself I'd be useless at is the stare out at the you know when the referee's giving you your final instructions. At this point, all your pals who've told you how to fight this guy have gone out the ring. <laughs> There's only you and him. And you're now meant to look him in the eye and sort of stare him down, as I'm trying to do to you now, but I can't do it. <laughs> what, do you, what, what are you thinking of at that point? Are you absolutely in the zone, or are you thinking, crikey, he looks big, or are you thinking, he doesn't look so clever? I, I do actually, like you just said, that I do actually size people up, mm. <laughs> just to see if, how much taller they are than me um, and stuff like that. But um, no, it doesn't really, same again, doesn't really bother me. I do, I'll, I'll get in the face, I'll, you know, uh, be eye to eye. Um, but unless someone tries, like you know, lean into me a little bit, I'll, yeah. I'll just be stood there like like, like normal. I'll, and I even put my hand out at the end to shake your hand if they want to shake it. So that's up to them. But things like that, I don't let bother me um, because, like I say, if if I did let it bother me, that's me wasting energy that I don't need to waste, and yeah. I need to save it for the ring. So the bell's gone. You're you're now walking across the ring towards this guy. He's walking across the ring towards you. Talk to me about your mindset at this point. Are you just boom? Among, is it game plan? Is it survival mode? What is it? How how do you go about a fight? <clears throat> so for me, it's a weird one because 
that image, that video you've been watching all through camp of this of your opponent, you it's in front of you, of you now, mm. and you start noticing similarities and the things that he does, and like you'll try little things that you've, you spoke to the coach about in terms of technical stuff, like you'll, you'll faint and see how they react and stuff like that. Because yeah, as you might notice in a professional fight, especially ten to twelve rounds, the first round or two might start a bit slow when people are sizing each other out. And what that is is basically, in my opinion, anyway. You've watched the video a million times over. You've seen what they do right, what they do wrong, and it's doing certain things to see if if they react the same way or how, how what sort of game plan they're looking to imply. Um, but yeah, for me, it's just I go in there, start start using my jab, get get the jab going because um, jab's the best punch in the world. Um, it builds it builds but you can build anything off, off off the jab. Start using the jab and just see how they react and how how they're moving. Um, and for example, with my last opponent, we knew he was going to try push me on 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 the back on the back foot, and he was going to come. And the game plan basically was to keep you busy with the jab, 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 and eventually he's going to swing them like them hooks because he was his main shot was a left hook and the run the right hook. He didn't really throw many straight shots, and the only time he threw them shots is when my back leg was close to, to the ropes because he tried to put it on me. Mm. So my game plan was keep jabbing, keep jabbing. As he wants to come in, boom, boom. As he I hit him, as he comes, then move again. Just and are you thinking at this time. point, I'm landing, so I'm getting points here? Is that yeah, what you're thinking, yeah. really? You're, you're not thinking. But, you're but it's not... different to put to the amateurs, though, because it's not yeah. just hit him, you get a point, or even though it's changed the amateurs now as well, you've got to be more dominant. You you, you can't just nick for nick round. You've got to hurt him as well. It's it's not just catching him and winning the points. You've got, you've got to make sure you're, you're doing doing damage as well. And uh, and like in the third round, when I, when I put him down, I, I, was, I finally started getting to him. When when you have a, a success like that and somebody goes down on the canvas, I think you've knocked three opponents. Is it five, three or five? Three, you, yeah. Right, yeah. Do you do you think to yourself, Oof, thank goodness, don't get up, mate, or do you think this is good? But but then I've got to stick to the plan. Yeah. How do um, you how do you control your emotions yeah, at that, that point? That's the first thing because I look straight over at my corner, and the first thing they're saying is, "Calm down, you know, remember, remember what the tactics are. Don't go." Uh, health for leather now and blow yourself out basically um, but at the same time you're thinking don't get up <laughs> definitely without a doubt you're hoping <laughs> yeah, that I don't get up <laughs> like, wild, like Wilder when he hit uh, Tyson yeah, Fury. Fury yeah exactly he, he yeah, must have been thinking that's that. exactly what you're thinking don't yeah. get up don't get up um, but when they get up like you say you got to think to yourself right don't don't go hell for leather yeah. you got to stick to don't, tactics because don't walk onto one now yeah because people people can be dangerous when, when, when they hurt because They'll go hell for leather. They'll start swinging because it's survival mode for them. But uh, but yeah, definitely you got you got to stick to your game plan. And like I say, when you when you work the game plan for eight to twelve, maybe sixteen weeks, then it'd be it'd be daft to the last last second yeah. to, uh, to to throw it out the window. And in between round, tell me about tell me about going back to your corner. I mean, obviously the bell rounds, everybody puts the kettle on, and you know, the commentators are having a chat. Yeah. In the corner, are you listening? Are you Definitely. listening to the to the coach? Because you, you see some fighters who sit, simply sit there, sort of listening intently. You see some, you think, I think he's just catching his breath. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, well, definitely, you, you have to listen. But my my coach is one of them coaches where, in the corner, he won't hit you with a lot of information. No. It will just be, just look to the body, or he's he's slowing down, start going forward a bit more, or you just if when you're moving away, make sure you come back with a shot and then move little things like that. Um, so and, what do you, and what do you do if you don't agree with the 
Uh, I, I try to think. Uh, Ricky Hatton once told this funny tale of fighting a really tough guy, and and, and every round the cornman said, "Yeah, you've nearly got him. You've nearly got him." And Ricky said, "I don't think I have." Yeah, yeah. You know, he's, do you do you just think, right? I'll just crack on. I mean, have you ever changed your game plan during a fight? I feel as though if you're in the corner in the heat of a fight and you don't have the trust in your coach to know what he's saying is right, then you shouldn't be with that coach. Mm. And that's the way I've, I, I feel. And every The eight fights I've had so far as a pro with uh, Kelvin Travers, my coach now, I've totally trusted him. Um, and that's just, just like, like I say, if I, and if I didn't trust, trust what he was saying, I won't be with him. And does he train other fighters? Um, he's got a couple of other fighters, yeah. Right. Um, but he hasn't got sort of 24 fighters, he's... No, yeah, he's he's, no. he's he's actually he's, he's part of a big camp actually, with Jamie Moore and Nigel Travis. Oh, right. So Nigel's Kel's uh, son, um, and in that camp, there's Carl Frampton, um, Jack Catterall, Rocky Fielding, um, Martin Murray, some yeah. big fighters. Right. Um, but that's like, but my main coach is Kelvin, Nigel's dad. So we're part, we're all part of the same camp pretty much, but just just my main coach is Kelvin, so, I, so which which helps for me because I get a lot more. One yeah. to one time with him. So eight fights, eight wins. That sounds ace. Nice. Yeah. Well, you know the fight's over. Um, I always see one of the great things I admire about boxing is that the, the the two boxers generally embrace and seem to you know congratulate each other on getting through it. Yeah. Just talk me through what happens when you get back to the changing room. Talk me through how you deal with things over the next twenty four hours because you're you're on a high at that point. Yeah. Um... Like I say, first of all, you shake hands, and, and that's that's the fight game for you, and that's the beauty of it. That's what everyone, everyone loves about it. You can you can go in there, have a war, last ball goes, shake hands, have a hug, and you're friends again. Yeah. If if you're friends before, you know, if if not, you've made a friend. Yeah. Um, but yeah, getting back to the changing room, yeah, it's you're all you're very hyped at the time. You might have a few aches, yeah. <laughs> especially 24 hours later. It definitely hurts, <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, you see, obviously the, the interviews start happening then, especially in the pro game. Interviews start happening, you get the media coming through, uh, you start speaking to them, and then at some point... And have you practised how to deal with the media? Because um, you know, it's a bit like years, football managers, isn't it? Yeah. They're interviewed about not long after a game and you think, ooh, you know, and, yeah, and some yeah. of them can't hold back, can they? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Over the years, like, like I say again, with being on GB and being a top-level elite amateur... Um, I've got used to media. You've had a bit of media yeah, training. It's, it's, it's yeah. helped a lot in, in terms of preparing me for these things now. But yeah, the media's I'm, I'm fine with. I'm, I'm quite pally with most of them, to be honest. So, but when I see the faces, I've seen them before. Um, so yeah, the media doesn't like it's never really bothered me. And, but and is it etiquette to go and see the defeated boxer? Do you pop in to see him, or is does he pop in well, to see you? Sometimes and say yes. goodbye. Yeah, you know? sometimes you do. Sometimes you don't. Um, I've always been the type, the type to go, if not in the change room, when I'm out and I see him, I'll go, you know. Yeah. I've, I have a little chat, you know. Yeah. Just, just be, be nice. It's, it's nice to be nice, I guess, you know. Yeah. Especially sure. when, you've been, when you've been Plumbing trying to take each other's heads off in, in the <laughs> ring. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, it's, it's, it's just general practice. So then you've, you've won your professional fight, as you've done now. You, you, you won the belt. I'm looking forward to having a look By at the that way, in more detail. By the way, 24 hours later. Yeah. Or twelve hours late when you wake up the next morning. Oh, it's painful. <laughs> <laughs> Your body's aching. So the first you can think about, right? I'm staying in bed tonight. I'm staying here. Everyone. And how long do you give yourself off before you actually go and do any back training? training. Yeah. Normally, I just 
I've had a bit a week tops because right. I love being in the gym. And in that week, you don't go nuts. You're not having fourteen Nando's and chips a day. You're not. No, you know what? It's weird yeah. because you, you, everyone thinks that yeah. um, because they're dieting. But you know, after all that dieting, you, when you're trying to eat, you can't even eat. You can't even. You, can't, eat you, that can't, you can't stomach nothing. So. <laughs> okay, so here we are, eight fights in. Tell me about your plans for the next two years. What you know, somebody listening to this, they're probably. I hope they're going to look you up on the internet. Yeah, definitely. They're going to see um, what is the plan. So this year, first of all, um, I want to be minimum British and Commonwealth champion. Um, but the, the only problem with that right now is the, the the kid that's got the British and Commonwealth. Um, he's with Frank Warren, right. so it's a bit harder to make because I'm a match when they were Frank Warren, mm-hmm. and them two don't really get on so <laughs> they basically try to keep the titles away as much as possible right. um, but if that them fights aren't made we'll move straight to European level I want to be European champion and within two years or or the end of two years I want to be at world level fighting for world titles and how old are you now Kes? Twenty. I'm 27 next month 27 next month so what? how many how many years of boxing do you reckon you can do. I know there's always exceptions as they James say, Tony who fights yeah. forever, but realistically, are you think it's a rough, six, seven year career? They say roughly till about 35. Right. Uh, roughly. Um, whether that's before or after. But that's what like we were talking about at the start, the longevity. When you're not getting hit, you've got more of a chance of pushing on uh, further. But at the same time, you've got, you've got to be smart. Um, you've got to have your wits about you and and know when it is when, when it's time to retire. Yeah. And, and in terms of boxing in Leeds at the moment, obviously um, uh, Josh Warrington's obviously steals a lot of the headlines and he's doing incredibly yeah. well, isn't he? Josh is a main, in Leeds especially, he's a world champion. Yeah. Um, so he, he deserves all, all, the, all yeah. the, uh, the media and all, all, all the credit he gets. Uh, yeah. And it's even better now, like, like, like this last week, sorry, he's, he's signed with uh, Matchroom and that's the, the same stable as me. Yeah. And hopefully you'll see, you'll see me on a lot more shows in Leeds now. Yeah, great stuff. That's Andy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and Jack's doing well. Jack, yeah, look, Jack, yeah, I saw, yeah. I, saw, I saw him at the press conference as well, actually. Uh, yeah, Jack's doing well. Jack's actually, I think he's with Warren. I'm not sure exactly. Right, is he? Um, yeah. yeah, but he's been doing well. Yeah, so that's great. Well. Cause yeah, he, he, he was, a, was he an England boxer as well? Amateur? He, he was on GB as well. He was GB. He was actually, in the qualifying process, he was the weight below me. Yeah. But uh, another kid qualified ahead of him. But um, but yeah, he's, he's, he's doing well. He's, he's always been a, a hard worker. And there's a good little gym down at uh, Bermatoffs. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Where, where can young boys and girls go to do boxing these days where is the place Leeds, to go yeah, somebody in, wants to in Leeds there's a few gyms now actually there's uh, obviously Bermatoffs um, that a lot of people go to um, it's got a good little pro set up as well then there's Camp Detox in Armley um, mm. that's another great gym there's Kelly's or Tigers I think it's called now in Meanwood yeah um, so uh, you can find a gym anywhere these and days these, and these aren't massively expensive to go to no it'll be f- a pound or two a session if yeah, that right. um, amateur gyms mainly these are um, so not, not expensive at all ok and to a young another 12, 13 year old out there who might you know might hear this what what would you say should they get into boxing or should they get into football I'd say get into football <laughs> but uh, boxing any, anything you want to do it's not it's not just about just boxing or football anything you want to do don't ever do anything half-hearted and that's what I've always lived by. You've got if you're going to do something, you've got to do it 100 percent, 110 percent. If not, there's no point in doing it because without that that drive, without that dream, you're not going to make it nowhere. So anything you do want to do, kids out there, even adults, um, make sure you put 110 percent into it because that's the only way you're going to get something out of it. Okay. 
So if anybody is interested in your future fights and keeping keep a track of you, Kez, how can they contact you? Where can they find out more details about you? Yeah, so social media, um, on Instagram and Twitter mainly, um, my social media uh, at is Kez, Q-A-I-S yeah. underscore Ashfak, A-S-H-F-A-Q. Um, and if you can't find me, you'll see a nice little blue tick next to it. That's all, so you know which one I am. <laughs> no, one of those. Uh, there's something else you've got. So, uh, okay, so keep an eye out for Kez. Kez, thank you for doing the podcast no, with pleasure. us. Great, mate. All the best with everything. Thank uh, you very much. We're uh, behind you. I'll, I'll definitely be coming to your next fight. I hope you enjoyed that. I love talking to guys like Kez about the training and actually how they're feeling before a fight and how they, how they feel in any sporting arena when you get to that crunch moment when it starts. And I hope that gave you an insight into the life of a boxer. Kez seems uh, surprisingly handsome for a boxer <laughs> and long may that continue and uh, we wish you all the best, mate. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks for coming in. Cheers. Really appreciate it. Thank you.